0: day to everyone and uh, to all of our men again um, everybody all the men 17 and older gets a bueno bar on the way out today right because we think you're good men that's why bueno bueno means good right Gary so we think you're good men that's why you get a bueno bar today and uh, we always think you're good men and uh, especially on Father's Day uh, just a reminder that we are actually hosting our, I don't know how many years you've been doing this, it feels like almost 15 years, our $1 car wash on Saturday, and uh, it's, not, it's not for you, actually, so don't come by so we'll wash your car for a dollar. Um, <laughs> it's for the community, and uh, we're, we're trying to surprise people with grace, okay? So here's how it works, is people come in thinking they're going to get an unbelievable deal to get a car wash. And uh, they might think the church is hard up for money, and it's like, wow, they could be charging more or something like that. But they come in, they're ready to pay a dollar, and on the way out, we give them a dollar. Do you get that? It's a $1 car wash. We're paying them. We're surprising them with grace. That's the point. And uh, we are saved by grace, so we've always tried to do some tangible things around here that would help fill people up with grace. So if you want to be a part of that, you can head over to our website, kingstreet.org. And down at the bottom, you'll see a Serve tab. You can click on it, and you can learn more about how you can get involved both with the car wash on Saturday and then also just serving throughout the year. We really believe that when we are at our best, we are loving one another. As Jesus said, the world will know you're my disciples by your love for each other. And when we are serving one another as Jesus said in John 13, that um, we should go and do likewise, right? We should wash one another's feet. We should serve each other. God is fundamentally a servant. So when we are like him, we are serving. And uh, Jesus turned the whole uh, serve dynamic upside down when he came. In the first century, um, the most important people had many servants. And God himself, who is a uh, king over all of his good creation, chooses the posture of a servant. John 13 is absolutely beautiful. Jesus knew that all power had been put under his, his control, his authority, and then he goes and grabs a towel and a basin and starts washing his disciples' feet. So we want to invite everybody to find a place of service, and it's just so, so good for us. All right, if you happen to be new here, my name is David, and I get the privilege of serving as lead pastor, and I get to teach often here, even though there's a team of pastors who teach so well. And, um, but we often, well, weekly, we have notes on an app called the Version Bible app. Why don't we just do this? I was kind of invited to slow this down today a little bit, and if you want to go to the YouVersion Bible app, because this can be very, very helpful for you when you come and join us on a weekly basis. If you have the app, Um, And you go to the home screen go to the far right at the bottom. You'll see a few lines and it says more click on that Are you tracking with me those of you who have the app? And if you don't you can kind of write this down UVersion version Bible app and download it There's so many amazing tools there for you But you go to the far right at the bottom click on more then you'll see events about halfway down if you click on events, you'll see King Street Community Church live If you click on that, it'll open up to all the notes for today's teaching. Okay? So you can follow along. Those screens are wonderful. They help us out, but there's also something you can do. You can save the notes to your phone, all sorts of stuff there. So now that I've thoroughly distracted you, I'm going to teach. And uh, so on this Father's Day weekend, we are continuing our series called Finding God. And we're going to talk about finding God as father and friend If you were with us a couple of weeks ago, we talked about finding God when it's hard. And there are some unique challenges to finding God when it's hard. And then last week, Pastor Gary helped us with this idea of finding God when things are easy or easier. And there are some unique challenges that go with that too. And so today, we're going to continue on with this theme of finding God. But we're going to talk about finding God as father and friend. Um, This was the... Um, title that Jesus addressed um, God with. Um, If you recall, it was um, on the cross when he was dying. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Um, When he is teaching his disciple friends how to pray, he says, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Uh, When he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he's asking for the cup to be taken from him, he says, Father, if it be your will, let this cup be taken from me. And so Jesus very, very much had a view of God as Father. And um, that can be a loaded term for many of us. And we'll unpack a little bit of that uh, a little bit later this morning. But as we move through our teaching time together, even Jesus, when he's talking to his disciple friends, he says, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. And so to call God a friend and father is what we want to put the teaching emphasis on This morning, to be consistent with how Jesus, our Lord, viewed God. And uh, he invites us to view him um, as father and friend as well. Um, So, finding God. Theologically, we want to be incredibly responsible around uh, King Street as we think about um, the Bible and how it is to be responsibly interpreted. If we understand the Bible well, we understand the mission of God in the world through Jesus, that he came to seek and to save that which is lost, right? He came to find us. Uh, we're not on a search for Him. We're responding to the one who took the initiative and inviting us into this search. And by the way, uh, once you've been found by God, the search doesn't stop. Um, the search ought to continue because there's a progressive aspect of how we find God, but pure theological, biblical, responsible interpretation is God is the one doing the finding. He finds us. Luke chapter 15, Jesus takes takes great pains to delineate this. Uh, There's a woman who lost a coin, and she searches uh, frantically throughout the house until she finds it. There is a sheep that wanders away, and the shepherd leaves the 99 in order to go find the one that had wandered away. And then there is a son who asks for his inheritance early, treats his father as though he's dead, goes off to the far country, squanders his wealth in wild living. He turns for home. And the text tells us very clearly that when the father is speaking to the elder brother, he says, why would we not throw a party for your son? He was dead and is alive. He was lost and is now found. And so this series of stories are told because Jesus is addressing the religious leaders and he's trying to help them understand the mission of God in the world. And, and how God is looking for the one that wanders away, the lost coin and the sons who have gone off to the far country and have squandered their potential or their wealth in wild living. That's all of us in this room today. So God is on a mission to recover that which is lost. And so at the same time, he's the one who does the, takes the initiative and we are invited to reach back. I, I kind of, uh, drew attention to this painting the other day, last week we were there. This is the Michelangelo painting, The Creation of Adam. And so uh, on the right side is the picture of God reaching to touch humanity, um, and he's reaching for Adam. You can see how he's exerting himself, right? There is a forearm extended, there's a reach that's happening, and Adam represents the reluctance in the human condition to reach back. You can sort of see he is uh, hesitant at best, reluctant maybe. Um, to to kind of close the gap. And you see how how God leaves a little space for us to choose, right? This is the beauty and the goodness of God, is how he makes space for us. So this series of talks has been intended to be calling out the reluctance in all of us, finding God, going on a search, looking for him. Um, And and we all are wired up a little different, and we all have capacity to reach uh, in ways that are consistent with how we've been made. And so the reach might look different from person to person, but the reach really matters. The search is important. And um, I had supper with some friends on Friday night, and most of the evening was about the search. And I love those kinds of conversations. Um, I, I hope you're still on a search, even though you've been found by God, those of us who put our saving faith in Jesus. So reluctant Adam. There's a little bit of reluctant Adam in all of us. And so we want to close the gap over the next, uh, num- next number of weeks as we um, reach, reach for God together. So if you're able, would you stand with me? The passage to ponder is on the screen, taken from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 and 7. And if you're new here, we read this passage out loud. There's something about hearing your voice and there's something about hearing the voice of your neighbor especially as we read from a sacred text like uh, holy scripture so isaiah chapter 55 beginning at verse 6 would you read this out loud with me here we go seek the lord while he may be found call on him while he is near let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts let them turn to the lord and he will have mercy on them And to our God, for he will freely pardon. The word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Uh, This passage helps us with three big principles that we ought to just keep in front of us as we move through our teaching, Uh, again, during this whole series. But um, finding God requires three things, and it's found in this text. Requires intentionality. We don't stumble upon God by accident. There is an intentional search. There can be providential occurrences in our lives where we go, oh, that's an aha moment for me. But the deliberate search is what's um, required of us often in order to find God. And so developing a searching or seeking heart is really, really important. And that's in the text of Isaiah 55. Also, secondly, prayer. What is prayer? Well, prayer is a conversation. God is a person. And prayer is our um, effort at engaging God. God is engaging us in so many ways. And then prayer is an opportunity for us to have an ongoing conversation with God. We'll pause there for just a moment. Conversation with God is not about me telling God things that he doesn't know already. God already knows it all. Prayer is about, um, Peter Kreeft calls it, the great conversation. It is um, me opening up my soul to God, bringing the totality of my person to him, inviting him to relate with me. But if you have a relationship with someone, it's not just telling or downloading things to the person. A healthy relationship has an ebb and flow. That's like a, a, a tennis match. There's a volley return back and forth. God has a voice, and he uses it, and he speaks with us, which means we need to sometimes slow down, turn down the volume, and listen for what he has to say to us. And so having a searching heart is, yes, telling God what we're feeling, what we're thinking, being uncensored before him. I think sometimes when we're not at our best, we think we have to sort of like get the right phrases out. We have to sort of, you know, when we say amen at the end of a prayer, it's like sending the email. It's like hitting send, right? Or it's like I couldn't ever tell God how I feel in this moment because I don't think he would like that. Well, here's a headline for us. He already knows how you feel. Uh, I love what C.S. Lewis calls honest prayer, uh, where you just literally say, this is how I feel. I've even said to people before who've struggled to believe in God, tell them. Say, I struggle to believe that you're even there right now. Wow, what an honest prayer that is. I feel like you've forgotten me. I don't know if you have enough love for someone like me. Do you feel the rawness in that? Moses actually asked God to just strike him down and kill him. He said, the people I'm carrying are just way too heavy for me. Just just get rid of me now. Um, These are honest prayers. God already knows. You can actually complain to God. There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. Ever had any desire to complain to God? I have, many times. Moments when you wonder, does God really know what he's doing? Because all these things are coming to me, and that's not the way things are supposed to go. So we tell him. And it's brutally honest, and it's just the totality of the human person coming to God, and he loves it. I think sometimes he'll arrange the circumstances of our lives until he'll get us to be honest with him. And then he says, Oh, I got you right where I want you to be. Let's have a conversation. Um, boy, there could be a whole sermon there. But uh, intentionality, prayer, and then in this text, again, turning away and turning toward. We turn away from sin and evil, which is a work in progress for all of us. Unfortunately, because we're humans, our sinful nature is not eradicated yet. We have an appetite still for sin. We still have this sort of like magnet to steel draw. And we continually and consistently say, I got to turn away from that. This isn't the way toward the good and beautiful life. We turn toward God and away from sin and evil. Uh, We turn away from independence, and we turn toward dependence on God. It's the way God wants us to live. It's the way the Father invites His children to relate to Him. So again, our teaching theme this morning is about finding God as father and friend. And so I have three thoughts for you today. And um, our first one is this, coming home to God as father. Um, I don't know how you think about God, but there are a lot of different names for God in the Bible. You know, I'm thinking of Psalm 23, well known by so many people. Uh, The Lord is my shepherd. This is like a function or a role that David, as he writes, says, when I think about God, he's like a good shepherd. Right? There are so many different names or roles assigned to God just to get at another angle of how God works in the world and how we can relate to him. Father is a is is one of them coming home to the idea that God is a father and as I've already mentioned right father If you're willing take this cup from me father into your hands I commit my spirit our father who is in heaven hallowed be your name This is the view of Jesus that he has as it pertains to God that God is a father and um, just to help us understand the bible was written in the first century patriarchal culture god is not limited by gender he transcends gender though in the patriarchal first century jesus would be very natural to call him father there's authority associated with that especially in the first century but god is like a father and When we think about that, and we're going to unpack a little bit of some of the baggage around that name in just a few moments, um, because father can be a loaded term for many sitting in this room today. Uh, But Jesus, in a first century setting, we need to understand we can't take the first century out of the text. We have to read it as a first century document, the New Testament especially. And that helps us understand why Jesus chose father when he was uh, referencing God. Um, So the father that Jesus loved uh, and was teaching his disciple friends about Um, was an affirming father. Um, One of my favorite passages in the Bible is when Jesus is baptized. If you're new to the Bible, Jesus goes out to John, who's known as the Baptist or the baptizer, and he goes out to be baptized. And he identifies again with uh, the human condition, and he comes up from the water, very symbolic with passing through the water with Exodus and the Red Sea and all of that's going on there. And, And we have the Spirit descending on him almost like IN THE GENESIS CHAPTER 1, THE the SPIRIT IS OVER THE CHAOS OF THE WATERS, RIGHT? WE HAVE THE SPIRIT COMING UPON JESUS. THERE IS A SENSE IN WHICH THERE IS A NEW CREATION EMERGING HERE. AND and WE HAVE um, THIS VOICE FROM HEAVEN. HE'S AN AFFIRMING FATHER. AND THESE ARE THE WORDS THAT ARE SPOKEN. AS SOON AS JESUS WAS BAPTIZED, HE WENT UP OUT OF THE WATER. AND AT THAT MOMENT, HEAVEN WAS OPENED AND HE SAW THE SPIRIT OF GOD DESCENDING LIKE A DOVE AND ALIGHTING ON HIM. AND A VOICE FROM HEAVEN, HERE COMES THE AFFIRMING VOICE. This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful declaration and affirmation over Jesus? This is my son, whom I love, and with him I'm well pleased. If at the end of your days, if you could hear the Father speak to you, this is my son, this is my daughter, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Would that not be one of those moments in your life where you will say, God is actually well pleased with me? Would that not take a whole load off your shoulders? He looks at you, and he says that you're mine, I love you, and I'm pleased with you. Now there's no more striving, no more earning, no more pressure to have to tilt the scales. The Father says, you're mine, I love you, and you're enough. That's huge. That's huge. Do you feel like you're enough today in this room? The word from the Father today over you is that you're enough. You're enough. Because of Christ, you're enough. Because of the love God has for you, you're enough. The culture might look at you and say you're not enough. Or you're too much of this or that. But the Father says you're enough. An affirming voice. We all crave affirmation, right? Every one of us crave affirmation. We resist criticism and judgment. Who wants to be around critique and condemnation? None of us. Now, the source of the affirmation is huge, isn't it? You can be affirmed by people, and and the affirmation is meaningful, but when it comes from people in authority, uh, when it comes from a parent, you know, some of us have craved affirmation from our parents all our lives, and it was withheld far too often. And there was this craving to just be affirmed by our mom or by our dad. And we are all spiritual children of the one true God who delights to affirm us, speak over us, words that give life. Just a reminder to all the dads in the room, our, fa- our, our, our father's words, our words if we're a dad, carry great power and potency. I went up to visit my dad yesterday and my mom up at their trailer. They're on vacation in Coburg. And I spent three or four hours with them just on my own, just as a son. It was good time, time well spent. My sister and I do it once a year, but this was one truck I just made up on my own. My wife had a shower to attend to. My girls had other commitments to at the same shower. And went up, saw my dad, and we had a really, really good talk. And I said to my dad just before I left, Um, I've been meeting with somebody recently who's been grieving the loss of their 82-year-old father. And it's deeply painful for this person. And I said, my dad's 82. And I said, on this Father's Day, I want you to know you've been an incredible dad. I couldn't have asked for a better father. All the tears start to flow and stuff. and That was the last thing I said as I walked away. And uh, this person I've been working with Um, I might have mentioned this to you a few weeks ago, but it's just been just so good. It's um, tell the people in your life that you love them a lot. And on this Father's Day, if you have a father who's alive that you can speak to, tell them that you love them. And then this person I've been working with says, and don't stop there. Um, As a parent, this person said, um, and say back to them, I know that you love me. Close the circle because when we lose people we love, we wonder, did they really know how much I love them? Right? Did I say it enough? Did they know that I, my, my heart was full of love for them? And so uh, the other day, I grabbed a hold of one of my daughters at the door, and I just said, uh, I know that you love me. And uh, pfft, tears come, right? Those are beautiful moments. Take advantage of them. Take advantage of them. Grab the shoulder. Put your arm around your your kid if you still can, and tell them. Put your arm around your dad or your mom if you still can, and tell them. And I've got this little. Uh, <laughs> you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but I have this. Um, I have this thing in my pocket. Somebody from our church who was incredibly thoughtful gave me this picture of me and my dog, and it's a beautiful poem. I've been carrying this with me since October. Every day. I tell my dog I love him every morning. I'm not kidding. I'm doing therapy with people sometimes, and I actually, he's my therapy dog. I keep him with me. Uh, But even after people have left this world, we can carry them with us in our hearts, can't we? It's one of the hardest things in the world to let people go who we love dearly, and we do release them. There is a point where we release them to God, but then we also carry them with us in some way, and and that's a very important, healthy thing for us to do. Um, So words carry so much power, And affirmation from a father can be incredibly, incredibly uh, life-enriching. And my dad said some really powerful things to me and continues to today through text message. I just keep them all important moments. Um, And so he's an affirming father, our heavenly father, whom we all have, that we all can call father. And he's an accepting father. Let me me read this, um, Luke 15, I've already referenced it before, but it's the story of the son who turns for home. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. He's on the lookout for him over the horizon. He sees him, he runs to him, throws his arms around him, and kisses him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I love this. But underline that in the text, but the father said to his servants, he didn't agree with the son, by the way, he didn't say, yeah, you really messed up, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, how much you brought a bad name to the family, you know what, the guest house at the back, you need to go there for a little while and hang out, and we're going to think about whether you get a chance to come in and eat with us, that would change the story a whole lot in Luke 15, wouldn't it, but the father said to his servants, what did he say, imagine this guy coming home like this, no, quick, Bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fat calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This is the gospel of Jesus right here. All of us have been the son in the far country. We turn for home and we come to our senses. In the work of the Spirit, we say yes to it. We turn for home. What do we receive when we turn for home? Not a lecture and not critique, and not judgment, we get affirmation and we get acceptance because that's who God is. It's not what we deserve, it's who he is, and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, So we all experience moments of self-doubt, and for some of us in this room today, it's chronic. The self-doubt is chronic. We've adopted a core belief about ourselves that sounds like this, I don't have what it takes and I'm not good enough. And what we need to counteract those negative and self-incriminating thoughts is radical acceptance. Radical acceptance. Um, So the Father is affirming. The Father is accepting. And then secondly today, the complicated experience for some of us in this room to call God Father. Um, There are no perfect fathers, by the way. I am one, and therefore I can say that with great confidence and certainty. There are no perfect fathers. We try, many of us try really hard, but we are not perfect. We make mistakes. With all due respect to every father in this room, we are flawed, frail, and sometimes we fail. Can every dad in the room say amen? All right, that wasn't strong enough, gentlemen. (laughs) Some of you are holding out for perfection, and it ain't working. It's not good. You know, it's funny, actually. Um, In the first century, Jesus, uh, as you know, turned the world upside down. So in the first century, um, it was not acceptable to embrace humility. Humility was for the weak. Humility was for the people who didn't have it all going on. You were to be arrogant. You were to be proud. You were to be self-sufficient. You were to be the kind of person who made your way in the world and didn't show your weaknesses, Then Jesus comes onto the scene and says, oh, by the way, the last will be first. Paul writes and says, "Uh, the Lord's strength will be made perfect in our weakness. Jesus stoops to wash his disciples' feet. This is the king of the universe incarnate, washing his disciples' feet. Now, all of a sudden, in the first century, acknowledging weakness, adopting the function and role of a servant, choosing humility is now God-sanctioned. But before that time, it was a cultural value that was resisted, right? The important people had power and servants. Now the most important person, God himself, says, I'm going to take the role of a servant. So it is super okay for every one of us in this room, including dads, to say, guess what? I don't have it all going on. I have areas of weakness. The moment we do that, we identify with Jesus, King Jesus, The way in, always remember this, the way into the kingdom of God requires humility, requires an awareness and an acknowledgement of weakness, frailty, failure, and the inability to get it right all the time. We don't get into the kingdom until we actually say, I need some help. I need saving. Into the sophisticated 21st century mind, that's problematic Because that requires acknowledging something. But that's the entrance to the kingdom of God. And that's not just entrance in, it's growth in the kingdom of God. Is that we would retain uh, humility, right? Philippians chapter 2, you read through it. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, made himself nothing, taking on uh, the nature of a servant, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. This this is King Jesus, and this is who we are as little Christs, right? Christians, little Christs. Um, So the complicated experience for some to call God Father. All of us as fathers are frail. We fail. We're flawed. It happens. We've been raised by fathers who didn't get it right all the time, and they didn't even know they weren't getting it right all the time, but they weren't. Some of you in this room today have stories to tell about how Dad was not just not helpful. He was harmful. He actually got in the way of you understanding the kind of God I'm talking about today. He had his own issues. He was parented. He had all sorts of life experiences that made him who he is. And and so we, we choose to look at our dads. You know, some of us are conflicted on the matter, right? We look at our dads and we say, How could you have? Or why didn't you? how, How could you say that to me? I still remember you saying those words. And they reverberate in our minds and our hearts, and we're negatively impacted by dad. And the reason that's the case is every dad is flawed and frail, and they fail. The best among us don't get it right all the time. So this is our experience. To some degree, dads didn't get it right or didn't get it right. And maybe for some of them, they were fighting their own demons, literally. So this is our calling. We are invited to imitate God by how we live and love. Every person, male, female in this room today, we are invited to imitate God by how we live and love. Paul writes this in Ephesians. He says, follow God's example in chapter 5, verse 1, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. There's the ideal, right? Just as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Interesting that Paul goes, right after he says, uh, be imitators of God or follow God's example, he says, and by the way, don't let your words be empty. Uh, Dads, it's important that what we say, be meaningful words, helpful words, and then we follow through on the words that we speak, that they're not empty, they're not hollow. They actually proceed from a character, from the substance of our own hearts. And uh, so all of us are invited. That's the ideal. But no one does this perfectly in this room. None of us do, including our fathers. So for the dads in the room, just for the next two minutes, what do we do with our imperfections and missteps? Okay, here there. i got three for you. You might want to write these ones down. Or on your U version app, save these notes. Own your mistakes and name them. I've lost track of how many times I've apologized to my kids and to my wife. Own your mistakes and name them. Dad should not have said that. Dad was wrong. Dad was offside there. Dad was not right. They know it anyway. The moment you call it out and own it, you hit the reset button, and now everybody can move forward. But if we pretend we're not making mistakes, we're only going to hurt the relationship, distance ourselves from the ones we love. So own your mistakes and name them. Practice responsible repair when possible. How can can I make this right? Just saying sorry is a good first step, but is there some other repair work that's required? If there is, then step in responsibly and do what you can. Um, And then thirdly, access grace for yourself and offer grace to others. So dad, don't beat yourself up. Don't put yourself out there with a standard that's unattainable. You're gonna make a mistake or two or 10 or 12 or 200 along the way. And, and say, I'm numbered among the human family. That grace that's for everyone is also for me. And we let ourselves go and we receive it. And then, for some of us in the room, we need to offer grace to dad. And that's not easy, especially when dad's injured us pretty severely and perhaps has already left this world. Um, there are all sorts of ways we can you know, offer grace even to our deceased fathers. Um, But the wound is real. Um, The opportunity to have the conversation has passed, but there's ways of cultivating something inside that lets ourselves go for the next chapter of our own lives. So let's not hold dad to a standard that's not possible. Dad's frail just like you are, and he makes mistakes. All right, the last thought for today is this, number three, the beautiful opportunity for all of us, including our fathers. Um, it is an incredible privilege to be a dad. And some of you in the room today wanted to be a dad so badly, and that has not been your experience. And that's a very painful moment for you, and it's a painful day. And, uh, and I, I understand that um, there are all sorts of different stories represented in this room today. But for those of you who are dads, it is an incredible privilege. We didn't earn it, God granted it. And um, I have this black and white picture on my phone of me, about four years old, standing beside my sister and my cousin in the backyard in Scarborough. My dad's got these long sideburns, (laughs) and he's leaning forward, talking to us, and the look on my sister's face and my face, looking at my dad, because we're looking up, I'm like this tall, and I'm looking up at my dad with this, like, man, he's amazing. so big and strong, knows everything, right? Feel safe and protected by my dad. And I could see the way my, the the picture is just a beautiful picture. I'm gonna keep it the rest of my life. And I have another picture. When we were dedicating this space at some point, I was sitting in that front row, and my dad was over here, because my dad loves people. He's waving away at people, and I'm sitting in the chair just looking at him like that. And it's like I'm still looking up to my dad. And I, I Instagrammed today and just said, my dad's always led by example. And um, it's been a wonderful thing for me. It's a beautiful privilege and an opportunity to have um, the honor of influencing lives. And that's what dads get to do. They get to influence lives. And Paul writes in Ephesians 5, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, he says, don't be foolish. That's a category of person. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another as psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. It's interesting, right? Where Paul earlier had talked about be imitators of God or follow God's example, and he says, don't let yourself have hollow words, empty words. Now he says, you know, be filled with the Spirit, and the words will be different. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so he says, make the most of every opportunity um, because the days slip through our fingers. What's that soap opera? As the sand passes through the hourglass, so do the days of our lives. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) It's true, right? It's very true. All right, some take-homes for today, and then we'll land. Um, so dads, remember that you as a father are a steward right from the very beginning. All of us are stewards, but I'm speaking to dads today, especially we've all been entrusted with something and to be a dad, you've been entrusted with influence, steward it wisely, steward it wisely. Our goal as Jesus following people is to make disciplined uh, disciples or followers of Jesus to teach the narrow way of the gospel and lavish them with love and remind them of who they are in Christ. This is our number one task. So remember that as a father and all of us, we're stewards. Secondly, lean in for help from your heavenly father. Um, We need help from above in order to do it, to get it more right than wrong. So lean in and ask for help from him. He's generously predisposed to all of us to give us the help we need. And then be sure to um, give your kids what they need. And here's what give stands for. Uh, Gentle. Be gentle with them. When we're aggressive and we're harsh, they push back. And so they should in some ways. Be gentle with your kids. Be interested in them. Be curious. Um, It's not all about us. Ask them, what's new? How'd your day go? What's happening these days? Who are your friends? What's going on? Without interrogating them be interested. Ask all sorts of curious questions. Validate them. Oh, man, just, just tell them. Oh, that must be hard. That would be really challenging. I understand why you'd be sad. Just come alongside everybody wants to be validated in this room. Isn't that what happens at the, the baptism? This is my son whom I love with him. I'm well. There's validation happening there. There's affirmation. There's, there's life-giving words that are spoken. There's blessing that comes. Original blessing all right? God makes good things, and he speaks kindly over what he makes. And then the last one is easy. Go easy. Go easy on your kids. Have an easy disposition, an unanxious un- un- presence around your kids, and, uh, and will probably serve them, serve them very well. All right, I love this verse from Ezra chapter 10. Rise up, he says. This matter is in your hands. Dad, this matter is in your hands. We will support you so take courage and do it. What is the it? Go out and live well in front of your kids if you're a dad. And all of us together collectively live well before one another and, uh, and add value all over the place, right? I think that's what Christians should be doing, just adding value all over the place. Words and deeds. We're not going to be angry with the world and get harsh and yell and judge. We're just going to fill people up with love and kindness and grace. We're going to announce that Jesus is king by the way we live our lives. And people will see something in us. There'll be a humility. There'll be all sorts of stuff in our culture where we'll kind of push back by the way we live because we have a different kind of orientation. Our worldview has been informed by King Jesus, and, uh, and that's how we kind of make our way in the world, right? All right, I want to pray for our dads today and all the men. Um, you don't have to do this, but I'm inviting you to. Would you stand, um, if you go like this, Pastor Dave, I don't know why you're asking me to stand, so I'm not going to, Ah, that's okay, no big deal, we're still friends. Uh, But if you're able, and you're a man in the room, and fathers, would you stand? I want us to bless you today. Um, Is it fair to say it's not that easy to be a man these days in the world? Um, I have said this before, I am pro-women, okay? Okay. Um, I'm an advocate for women. I've got two daughters. I've got a sister, a fantastic mother. Um, I work with women on our staff team, on our board. Women are amazing. Men, would you agree with me? Life in this world without women would be no fun? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But can I also say this? Men are amazing too. Um, I, I love Men. Um, I think men are fantastic. They're strong. They're courageous. They can be tender-hearted. They work hard. Um, all of these things reflect women as well. But sometimes men, and there's cultural pendulums that move, right? Sometimes men end up being the ones that are sort of set aside at this point or maybe ridiculed and whatever it might be. But let's be advocates for one another, for women and for men. Right? God has made us. Yeah, absolutely. So... There is a very big place in the world for all of you men, a big place. Our families need you to be present. Our churches need you to be present. Our world needs you to be present. And so step up, don't crowd out the women, but step up into your rightful place as a co-equal with the women in the world. Lead with them, right? Encourage them, celebrate them, and, and make sure you don't just leave your chair empty at the table. Stay at the table. We need men at the table. All right, so let's pray for all the men here. Lord, thank you today for fathers. Thank you for the way you invite us into a beautiful, reflective adventure with you like right-angled mirrors, the glory of God, the goodness and beauty of God bouncing off of us, so to speak, to one another. Thank you, Lord, that you, um, you made us, men and women in this room, But for the men especially today, we pray over them that you would bless them with a strong sense of affirmation and acceptance. As we leave this place in a few minutes, may they go out with a confidence that you are with them. May they know, Lord, with certainty that you have gifted them and endowed them with capacities to do so many things well. May they hear the invitation of the Spirit to step up and lead and serve and partner and do all the things, God, that are in your heart for them. Lord, may they know today how loved they are and how valued they are and how much we need them. Bless the dads. Bless all the men. May you just cause your goodness to be spread out over them in every way. And Lord, for many of us in this room today, we're carrying things that our dads have deposited and it's a mixed bag, good and not so good. Lord, would you help us to recognize the areas of healing and growth that are required? Would you help us to be courageous enough to call things out as they are? Would you help us, Lord, to let go of what needs to be let go of? Would you help us to be gracious and kind and honest about the things, Lord, that have, um, have stuck to us that are not helpful? Um, Lord, we do... Thank you for the invitation to look at ourselves through the lens of grace and to look at the ones around us, including our dads, through the lens of grace too. So, Lord, we just ask you again for a wonderful sense of your kindness and presence to be fully pronounced over every man's life and every person here today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.